No, you're fine. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Um, Gary's on vacation, so I'm filling in because Randy is in the media center today. So uh, sickness is going around, so we need to just keep people in prayer. Um, so if you'll just remember that, there's a lot, of, you know, I got sick on Wednesday, so I want to thank Alan for filling in for me. Um, I had a, on Tuesday, I had the chills, and then I went home, and I ended up having almost 104 temperature, and so I didn't want to come and spread it to everybody, you know. That's one thing you don't want to spread, right? You want to spread God's love, but not viruses. So uh, just a couple other things, if you have your bulletin. Um, we have our picnic tonight at 6 o'clock. Depending on how hot it is tonight, most likely it's supposed to be up in the upper 90s. If it's too hot, we will go into the fellowship hall. And But these two doors out here will be locked, the two main sanctuary doors, so the back doors will be open. So just a reminder on that. Don't, don't forget about our Bible quest. Uh, they had a starter for kids' ministry, and we're going to reach out um, trying to get out to the community, start reaching these kids. I mean, kids need to be kids need to be saved. This next generation, we're losing a whole generation for Jesus, so we need to really reach them. Uh, don't forget about our youth group. Uh, the doors open at 5.30 and then on, on, uh, on Wednesdays, and then it starts at 7 o'clock. Uh, we have our men's breakfast coming up September 16th at uh, 8.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Hall, and then we have our men's Bible study on October 7th at uh, 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall fellowship hall as well um, don't forget this is an insert we got our trunk or treat coming up October 31st and we really want to reach again kids for the community how many of you guys really want to reach the kids for Jesus yeah so we're gonna hand out uh, flyers there we're just gonna listen say, I know Halloween it was started as a through the Catholic Church of All Hallows Eve and and you know the enemy takes what God means for good I don't even know if it let me, let me be careful about this. But anyways, it turned into something that the enemy uses. But we can take what the enemy meant for bad and make it for what? For good. And so we need to stomp on his ground a little bit and reach those kids again for Jesus. We have a baptismal service coming up. It's going to be the first Sunday in October. And I'll be preaching on baptism. We've got six people already signed up. If you want to get water baptized, uh, there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And water baptism, all that is, is it's an outward expression of an inward change. When you and I get saved, we get changed, and now we want to tell the world what Jesus has done for us. And it also means to be buried with Christ and then raised with Christ. Um, going on, a couple other things. Don't forget about Heart to Heart, September 19th. Leanne Hart's going to be here. She will be singing, and she's a guest. Uh, she has a, uh, there's a special guest speaker, Hetty Lou Brooks. And can, can I ask you to share a little bit about Hetty? Do you mind, Robin? Can you all hear her okay? Or? <laughs>
That's right. And can we give a round of applause for her doing the women's ministry? Oh, she's doing a wonderful job with the ladies. And the hard work that goes into that and getting guest speakers and facilitating that, it takes a lot of work to do that. So thank you again, Robin, for all that you do. Uh, also, don't for, uh, this week, so I'll be mostly out of the office. My wife had knee surgery on Friday, so I'm going to be there to help her this week. Um, I will be in and out of the office. And also, just to give you a heads up, I, I used to take Fridays and Saturdays off, but my kids are in a, a homeschooling group called Classical Conversations, and we need two parents there. So Thursdays are going to be my day off, and so I'll be here on Friday. So it's just the way it goes, right, parenting? You got to take care of your kids. Uh, don't forget to September 17th, missionary Chris Hale. Uh, he's going to be here during the AM service. He's planning a church in Liver, Liverpool, England. I'm excited to have them. They, they, at one time, I think they were in Poland. So uh, just great missionaries, excited to have. And we need to hear from our missionaries. They're going out in, into the field and reaching people for Jesus. Um, just a couple other things. September 23rd, we have our safety training here at the church from 9 a.m. to noon. Uh, you guys uh, know my friend Bobby Zygmunt. He is a Tulsa police officer. He was a Bigsby police officer for 12 years. He's done uh, safety training and security for Life Church. And he will be here to train anybody that wants to come. It's for anybody. Um, and basically to go over to... It's sad that we live in the day that we have to do this, but we do have to have safety and training to take care of our churches. So if anybody's welcome to that if you want to come. And then also, again, I, I know that we're uh, planning on a the ladies for them to uh, shoot guns. Do you remember what date that was, that Randy? And Randy's back there, and I don't have it written down, so Randy, I'm sorry. Uh, but there, there's a thing. for It's just for ladies. They're going to be set it up. If, uh, and show you how to sh shoot a pistol and, uh, and have a target place. And so some of you already probably know. Some of you are probably a better shot than I am. I know you're better with the shotgun than I am. <laughs> I, I hit nothing but air. So one last thing, are, again, uh, a reminder about our daughter's conference, September 15th through 16th. Tickets are now $70 and $80, $80 at the door. And there is a sign-up sheet in the foyer. And then also, again, there's a couple things on the back of your bulletins. I know there's a lot of announcements here. That's good when we have lots of announcements, right? Um, door greeters. If you're interested in being a door greeter, I'm getting ready to get a schedule together. Um, and then also the sound room. If you're interested in learning a little bit about the, the sound booth, uh, the media room, the worship team, the security desk, uh, kids ministry, or feeding youth, see Gary. Um, and then the kitchen. So if you're interested in any of those ministries, let us know. And then uh, after after worship today, we're going to take up uh, we're going to do communion today. So if I can have our ushers come at this time to take up our morning tithes and offerings.
wallet's in there, and I forgot to grab my check, so don't forget to give me my check today. All right, go ahead. scripture I was reminded that there's somebody has a 57th wedding anniversary today Carol and Ron's 57th wedding anniversary can we give them a round of applause I want you to know we appreciate you and love you guys and all that you are to our church I want to read this would you please stand as I read this scripture and we pray and get into worship this morning Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and the lyre. Praise Him with tambourines and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and the flute. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, we worship you, we praise you, and we lift up your name in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Go ahead, guys. All right. Are y'all ready to worship this morning? Like Pastor just said, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Father, that is why we're here this morning is to praise your holy name, God. Father, we ask that you would just move across this sanctuary in a mighty way this morning, Lord, just touching souls from one aisle to the other, God. Leave nothing out. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all know this, so you're going to have to sing it with us. Yours will be the only name that matters to me. The only one whose favor I see. The only name that matters to me. Yours will be the friendship and affection I need. I wanna feel my father smiling on me. The only name that matters to me. And yours is the name, the name that saved me. Mercy and grace and the power that forgave me. And your love is all I've ever needed. When I up in the land of glory with the saints I will tell my story there will be one name that I proclaim sing that again when I wake up in the land of glory with the saints I will tell my story there will be one name that I proclaim will be the only name that matters to me, the only one whose favor I see, 
just saying the name of Jesus as we're calling on the name of Jesus and the Bible says in his name in his name in the name of Jesus in desperation we cry out to his name a lot of times because we don't have any of anything else to say or we don't know we don't know what to say Father, we cry to your name this morning, God, for those that are discouraged and distressed, Father, for those that are hurting and don't know the way, God, for those that are sick, Father, we call out upon your name, God. Father, we ask this morning that you would just cover them with your presence, Father. Father, help them to just speak your name, God. Your word says that you know what we need before we even know it, God. And it's in those moments, God, that we just call out your name. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 
Father, I pray, pray blessings, God, over the families that are here and over all the families that are represented by the people that are in your house this morning, God. Your power does not stand in these walls, God, but it goes so far out. Father, we cry out to you this morning, God, for all the needs, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Y'all just play that again. We're just going to bask in his presence for a moment. And we're going to sing his name one more time because we cannot call on his name too many times. anointing this morning of your spirit, God. 
Remove all question and all doubt, God, all fear in the name of Jesus, God. Just have your way, not only in this room, God, but on an individual level with every person in here, Father. Just that one-on-one moment of revelation in the name of Jesus. here and you're standing in his presence I want you to stay in a moment of worship we're going to be taking communion in a moment it's all about Jesus everything we do is about him it says do all things under the glory of God it's all for the glory of Christ it's all about him it's not about us it's about Jesus so I want you at this moment reflect on your life Look at your life this week and and the things that have happened and just between you and the Father right now before we take of communion this morning. If there's something you need to get right with God, get right with Him right now. Ask Him for forgiveness. Father, we want to take of communion this morning focusing on You. God, forgive us of any attitudes or behaviors this week. Selfishness or pride wrong motives, wrong thinking, the way we've treated others. Wash us, Lord, this morning. You said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We do that right now in the name of Jesus. There's just something about that name. going to ask here in a minute after we take a communion that we could sing that song again.
You may be seated this morning. If I could have those that are going to help me with communion this morning. Stay in a, stay in a spirit of, uh, of God's presence this morning. I want you to keep continuing to focus. Those, those that were going to help me this morning. Oh, yeah, they're up on the worship team this morning. We might need a couple more. Ron, you don't mind helping this morning. We had to use what we still had left, and so these are a little difficult to open if you get a chance to. Next time we're going to go to the cups with the grape juice that's, our, that's not in it, that we'll put grape juice in there. So, and If we need to come up and grab some more, we can. Go ahead, guys. As they're passing this out, I want to read from a scripture this morning. Remember, this is all about Jesus. and King David was, was a man after God's own heart in Psalm 22. He speaks prophetically of what Jesus would do on the cross. Psalm 22, David begins by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus said that on the cross. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? He was groaning because of our sin that was on him. Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer by night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted in you, and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Jesus became a worm. Listen to what he says. But I am a worm and not a man scorned by men and despised by the people. That was my daughter, by the way. I can do that. Verse 7, all who seek me mock me. They hurl insights, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. When Jesus was on the cross, they said this to him. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, and those around him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me. The strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions tearing their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men have encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones, and people stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. But you, O Lord, are not far off. O my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from the sword, my precious life from the power of dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lion. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers in the congregation. And I will praise you. David wrote of what Jesus would go through and all that Jesus thought. And he did that for you and he did that for me. He took all of your sin and all of my sin, all the bad thoughts we have done, all the things that we've allowed into our life, and he took that upon himself 
and on the cross. And when he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. And when he said that, it was interesting because this was Passover. So that's when the lambs were slaughtered. They say that the moment that he said that, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom, not from bottom to top, because it's something that man couldn't do. It was only something that God could do. It was a God thing. He's the one that saved us and set us free. And that opened up access to the Father's room through what Jesus did on the cross. They also said it was at that moment that the lamb was sacrificed and the shofar was blown, which means liberty. Jesus took his last, the shofar was blown, and God was saying, you are now free. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And that is why we take communion. Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. I'm reminded in John 14, he says, and I share this often, the reason why I share this often is because it's a promise. Jesus says, I am going to the place, this is the same time, this was in the upper room when he had taken communion with them, when he had taken of the cup. And he said, I'm going to, to my Father's house to prepare a place for you. And in my Father's house are many rooms. If you're born again this morning, God has a room for you in heaven. Yeah, give God a clap offering. That comes from my... We have something to look forward to. And he says, not only am I going to heaven, but I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you and I'm going to take you there to be with me. And we're getting close to that time. So guys, as you take communion this morning, remember what Jesus did for you. I remember the day I got saved. I remember the day I got water baptized after I got saved. And I've shared this with you before, but I remember going into the pool, dick, dipping my head into the water as my youth pastor dipped me down, and I saw an old shadow of my old self fall to the bottom of a pool. At eight years old, who could explain that to an eight-year-old? And when I came out, I said, Mom, it feels like somebody took scrubby bubbles and cleaned my insides out. That's what Jesus does. Would you please hold up the bread that represents his body? His body was broken for you and I. And he did that so that we might have eternal life. They say that he was whipped, that, that, that the, the, the curtain or that, that the shroud, they believe that that was of the Lord's 372 times for you and I. Would you please break this and take this in remembrance of what he did on the cross for you? Would you please hold up the cup that represents his blood? It says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And without the resurrection, we're still lost in our sins. But the fact that his blood was shed for us, though they be like crimson, they will be like white as snow. He has washed us. He has cleansed us. He's risen from the dead. He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And when you're saved, he's alive inside of you. It's living waters bubbling up to eternal life. This represents his blood that was shed for you and I. Would you please take in remembrance of him? Father, we thank you for your body that was, your son's body that was shed for, shed for us. 
that was broken for us, pierced for us, pierced in the hands and the feet, in the, in the, in the, in the head with the thorn of crowns, in the side and on the back. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice for us. And thank you for shedding your blood. And the day that we got saved, your blood washed us and cleansed us of all of our sin and justified us as if we had never sinned. Lord, we thank you for this moment and this time of taking communion. In the name of Jesus, where there's power, and everybody said amen, would you please stand as we worship one more time to this song. Jesus, 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 there's just something. Miss the kids to go back at this time. Thank you, worship team, and those that helped out with communion this morning. How's everybody doing this week? Everybody having a good week? I can say two things. One, I'm a Buffs fan. I got to say this. 
Um, I'm from Colorado originally, but I'm also a Sooners fan, so both my teams won yesterday. Yeah, and uh, Deion Sanders is a, a born-again believer, so the first thing he did when I was watching the, I didn't get to watch it because I took my daughter to camp yesterday, but he was just saying, thank you, Jesus. I mean, he just kept lifting up the name of Jesus, and that's what it's about, amen? So both my teams won yesterday, praise God. All right, if you have your Bibles, please open up with me the book of Philippians. We're back into our series of Philippians, and uh, we're doing a series on this, The Joy of Knowing Christ. And We're not only going to be reading verses uh, uh, one or 12 through 30. If we get through this today, I still have my notes for the next one here. So uh, we're picking up where we left off last week. We're going to read in verses 12 through 30 real quick, and then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to pick up where we left off. So Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely opposing that they could stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers... And the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me, will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and, and hope that I will no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. For to me, to live as Christ and to die is gain. If I am to going, go on living in the body, this will re mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain. And I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my presence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but you will be saved, and that, they, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now here, and now here that I still have. Father, we thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Thank you for your sweet presence this morning. Father, your word is life. And I pray as Lord, as we read it, we hear it, and we stand on it this morning. You will pour into us more of your life. It is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing bone and marrow and ligaments and muscle 
and judging the attitudes and behaviors of the heart. Father, as your vessel, I can do nothing apart from you. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning what you want to say to the people. These are your words, not mine. This is your message, not mine. And we ask this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So the last week's message, I, I, or not last week's, the week before that, last week we talked about Elijah, is there are no accidents with God. And we looked at the first thing, Paul's chains were a result of God's work. We talked about that, that sometimes we go through difficulties God permits and allows those things. But remember, if you're a born-again believer, God works all things out for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. That God works all things out for your, for your good. And God can take what the enemy meant for bad and make it for good. And We talked about that, that uh, Paul's chains was a good result because in prison Paul wrote these letters that we have in our Bible today he reached more people for Jesus being chained so don't look at your mishap as a bad thing God can take that and expand it and use it mightily for his kingdom the second thing we looked at is Paul's motivation was that Christ was preached our motivation in life should always be to give glory to Christ everything that we do should be for his glory even the little things that we do should be to lift up the name of Jesus. Even those things that you do in secret, even those things you do in public should be for Him. Today, we're going to look at the thing that we didn't look at. Paul's aim was to glorify Christ. Paul's aim was to glorify Christ. Look with me in verse 19. might be better to start in verse 18 because my Bible uh, starts in the middle of that verse. Verse 18, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. Verse 21. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. His whole purpose was that God would get the glory. Paul's aim was always to glorify Christ, was always to lift up the name of Jesus in everything he did. Even while he was in prison, even while he was chained to a wall with the smell of refuse going through. I mean, how many of us, I've shared this already and asked this question, but how many of us would enjoy being chained to a wall in a prison with the smell of refuse going through? How many of us would rejoice? Now, that word rejoice means to be jubilant, to shout, to sing praise. Yeah, that, that would be a very difficult thing. I'm getting some laughs, you know, because most of it would be, oh, Lord, help me, get me out of this situation. Now, Paul did want to be delivered from it, but his whole aim in life was to point people to Jesus. This is not my notes, but I want you to hold your spot here and go with me to Matthew 28. I shared this last week, but I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to share this. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 
Start in verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, remember he's appeared to the disciples. He's getting ready to ascend to heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me stop there for a minute. If you're a born again Christian this morning, you have authority in Christ. The authority that he has, he has given to you. I want you to think about that for a minute. The authority that Christ has, he now has given to you. Just like a, a, a sheriff has given his authority to his deputies. They have, the, they have the authority to pull you over. If you're playing with your phone, please don't play with your phone while you're driving. My wife has to take mine for me while I'm driving. There's been a couple times I've been driving. She goes, you're not supposed to be playing with it. She'll take it and put it over here so I can't reach it. That's good. But they have the authority to pull you over, give you a ticket. The authority that they have doesn't come from themselves. It comes from the law, but it also comes from their boss, which is the what? Sheriff. Well, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Jesus. And he's always been. And we're his deputies. And he's giving us authority in Christ. Now, what has he given us authority to do? Look at verse 19. Therefore, go. Let's stop there for a minute. He's, he's telling you, he's telling me to do what? To go. That, that, that's action. That's doing something. I shared in Sunday school this morning, but uh, while Stacy was having her, uh, getting ready to have her knee operated on, last week we went to her pre-op and there was a nurse there that drew her blood. And... Uh, I started to share the gospel with her. Well, that time came to an end, and came Friday for Stacy's surgery. We we're in the hospital, and they took Stacy back for pre-op. And I went downstairs to get a diet Pepsi, and as I walked by, I guess who I ran into? The same nurse. That afternoon, I went grocery shopping. I'm so thankful for Shauna watching my kids. Taking care of three girls while you shop is not fun. <laughs> and while I'm there, guess who I ran into? And I began to share the gospel with her. Therefore, go. You don't have to be a preacher. What's this have to do with giving glory to Christ? Everything you do is to give glory to Christ. You're, you're to point people to Jesus. That's what the word is for. To, to, that's why you got to get the word in you so that you can show them who Jesus is. This points everything to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, not just converts. You convert them, then you disciple them. The unfortunate thing is we have a lot of Christians that are still not disciples. They're still drinking milk. Because the word disciple comes from, we get the word discipline from. When I was in basic training in the Air Force, 1996, down at Lackland, I remember as we were getting ready to graduate, and we had our dress blues, and we had uh, all kinds of things that we had to do, and we had to pass wall inspections and dorm inspections, and we had to polish the chrome. Some of you guys remember this. And, and, and we, wouldn't, we would step over the chrome and they'd say, chrome, so we wouldn't step on it. And 
You know, we would have to turn the light on and turn all the lights off to make sure there was no dust. And, and if you have a wool blanket, it's almost impossible to get rid of dust. We'd have dorm inspections, and they'd come in, and you, got, you were allowed three demerits in your wall locker. That means one string was considered a demerit. We had to iron our shirts, and I'm going to mention this. I'll get in trouble with my wife, but we had to iron our underwear and tweak them, and everything had to be perfect. I'm serious. Our socks, wool socks. Have you ever ironed wool socks before? Everything had to be placed in there, and it was all about discipline. And I remember our drill instructors, Staff Sergeant Knight, saying, when you get ready to graduate today, you're going to see undisciplined people. We're standing at attention, and there's all these people getting ready to get into the stands to watch their kids. And it was like, I remember as a kid, my parents had friends that were farmers, and they had pigs. And we went out and they rang the bell and those pigs would come running and fight over the food. And as we stood there and they said, go ahead, get your spot, people. I mean, it was crazy. People were fighting for spots on the bleachers. One lady got pushed over. And I remember our drill instructor saying, see, they're undisciplined. You've been here eight weeks to be disciplined. That's what disciples means, discipline, disciple people, mentor them. What's this have to do with our message in Philippians? It has a lot of things to do with it because Paul was always proclaiming and lifting up Jesus. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Again, Paul's aim was always to glorify Christ. Your aim and my aim should be to glorify Jesus. Are you sharing Jesus with others? Are you sharing it through your life, through your words, what you do? Go back with me to Philippians Chapter 1. Now Paul, Paul had hoped to be delivered. And so I put a little note up here. It's okay to believe for God's healing, deliverance, and provision. He, he prayed for deliverance. Now God did not deliver him. In fact, you can read in the writings of Timothy where Paul wrote, I have fought the good fight of faith. I have finished the race. And now the crown of life has been stored up for me. I'm going to receive. And so it's okay to believe for those things, but if God doesn't deliver you, you need to keep glorifying Jesus. You need to keep serving Him. Real faith is believing God despite your circumstances. Some people only believe Jesus when He answers them, and then they forget about Him later. I've known a lot of people that give their life to Christ, and at first they're, they're on fire for him and they love him, but when things start to go bad and things don't go the way that they think it should, they stop serving him. Real faith is serving God despite our circumstances. Look at 19, he says, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. He had hope. Don't ever give up hope. It's not a wishful thing, and it's an expectation that you know God's going to come through. 
See, Paul didn't want to be ashamed, but wanted to have courage to face both life and death. I like that. He, he says, man, I, I want to be delivered. I'm praying that your prayers are going to deliver me. And then verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. That's true hope. Is, is Jesus being exalted in your life? Is he being exalted in everything that you do? Is he being exalted in your business, in your home, in your workplace, where you shop at? If you're retired, is he, is he, is he being exalted where you go and hang out? Look at this. Living for Paul meant fruitful labor. Fruitful labor. Labor. Look at verse 21. I want to read this. How many of you guys know this verse? It's a popular verse. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Hey, let me tell you, that's the hope of a believer. Hey, we get to live for Christ. We get to reign in this life. We have something inside of us that the world doesn't have. We have hope. We have living waters in us. I shared that this morning. You have living waters bubbling up to eternal life if Jesus is inside of you. It may be a bad week, but you have eternal life. It may be a horrible week, but you have Jesus in you. It may not be going the way that you planned, but you have a God in heaven that loves you. But if you were to die, hallelujah, that's even better. Because to be absent from the body is to be present with Jesus Christ, to be present with the Lord. And, and that's the outlook that Paul took, and that's the outlook we need to have. You know, when coronavirus was going... You know how it's going now. They're trying to bring up all this stuff again. God is bigger than these diseases. He's bigger than fear. But I could walk around with excitement. and I'm sorry, this is me personally. I'm not against anybody masked up or who didn't. I was an anti-masker. I'm just going to admit, I was kind of rebellious in that way. I was in Washington State. Now again, that's my personal opinion. Everybody's got a different opinion on that. But I remember walking up and a and lady goes, why aren't you wearing your mask? I said, because I have Jesus in me. <laughs> she just looked at me weird and turned around and walked the other way. And that's a true story. My daughter was with me. We were walking down and she got scared and couldn't believe I didn't have a mask on. Listen, my, my faith and my hope is in Jesus. That doesn't mean we're stupid about things. We're smart, right? We do what we're supposed to do. But the ultimate thing is my hope and my faith is in him. So Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Are you living today? Are you living for Christ? Are you living your life well? In Romans 5, I mentioned this again before, but Paul says in Romans 5, we're to reign in this life if we know Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean everything's perfect. But what it does mean is we have an anchor to hold on to when we're going through life storms. We have something to look to, to hold on to, to put our hope in. He is your hope. Then look at verse 22. He says, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. Verse 23, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. 
He's, he has this little struggle going on. And how many of us have this struggle? One of these days, we're going to hear a trumpet call. I've always shared with people, even when I was up in Abernathy, and I share this a lot, and you'll probably get tired of me saying it, and it gets redundant, but I do believe, because the one sign that we know we're living in the last days is Israel is a nation again. And now you're seeing all these convergence of signs. And I'll keep saying it, but one of these days, and I believe we're that generation that's going to hear that trumpet call. One of these days, now I haven't been mowing my lawn lately because somebody else has been doing it. But I used to mow my lawn up in Abernathy and wear overalls and, and, and be out there mowing. And I always used to say, one of these days, that rapture's going to happen. And that mower's going to shut off and my clothes are going to be left. And they're going to be wondering what happened to that guy that was mowing the lawn. Or I'm going to be at Walmart pushing a cart, having church. Do you know how many times I run into church people at Walmart? And we have church there. If you don't want to have church at Walmart, come to Walmart. I'm usually there. I'd be pushing my cart. One day I'm going to be in, in line. And you're going to be in line. And I just heard, a, it's interesting, I was watching a, a, a series, and I might show this video. It's a 30-minute video on a Wednesday night. And it was a, a Messianic rabbi and why they believe the Feast of Trumpets could be the feast that that's blown. Now, the interesting thing about the Feast of Trumpets, and he mentions that, is it doesn't have to happen on that day for Jesus to come back. It's the one feast that can happen at any moment. It's the only one with trumpets. And we're coming up to the Feast of Trumpets here in a couple of weeks. We don't set dates. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. But I get excited about that. And he was mentioning that in Scripture, in Scripture, the only ones, that word means to, to call out. And it's not so much blowing the trumpet as much as hearing the trumpet. During that, during that festival, Rosh Hashanah, when they hear the trumpet called. And, and, and it's interesting because Paul calls in 1 Corinthians 15. This isn't another sermon. This is right along with this, okay? Kind of a rabbit trail here. But in that scripture, Paul mentions the last trump. Guess what the trumpet's called? The shofar on the Feast of Trumpets. The last one that's blown. The last trump. Jesus fulfilled the first three feasts. The church fulfilled the Pentecost. The next one is the Feast of Trumpets. But he was mentioning that it's the hearing, not so much the blowing. And he mentions that most Messianic rabbis believe it's only us that know Jesus that's going to hear that trumpet call. Do you know the Lord enough that you're going to hear that trumpet call? That one of these days we're going to hear it blow? And Jesus is going to come back and get his bride. Oh, this is a whole other message this morning. Praise God. But listen, he's coming back. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that, that Amazon now has a palm reader. You don't use a credit card to buy it, anything. You go into the store, they read your palm. You go in, you grab something, there's nobody working there, and you come out. And they're doing that with all their stores in America. They're, they're talking about CBDC, central bank digital currency, getting rid of cash. The European Union wants to go to put chips and everybody, everybody that lives there gets ID'd. That's not the mark of the beast, but it sure is setting the stage for it. And we have the technology today. So let me tell you something. Is Jesus exalted in your body? 
And he says this, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Guys, until Jesus comes back, are you laboring for Christ? Is there fruit coming from your life? Are you reaching your neighbors and your, your, your family members for Jesus? Now, if they reject it, that's between them and the Father. Our job is to take the seed and scatter it and water on it. I shared this a few months ago, but let's all be Johnny Appleseeds, right? Scatter the seed of the word of the Lord. And if you're not a good speaker, that's okay. God will give you the words to speak. Because he said in Matthew 28, 19, I will be with you always. You're not alone. So Paul says, if I'm to go on living on the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And now he's got this struggle. What shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. How many knows that heaven's going to be a whole lot greater than what we have here on earth? Some of you are like, well, I don't want the rapture to happen. I want to get married. I want to have kids for you young people. I want to do this. I want to do that. Listen, heaven's going to, heaven's going to be so much greater than all the things you desire on this earth. First of all, you're going to be in the presence of Almighty God and you're going to be filled with His love. Again, what a great outlook. Do we have that outlook that Paul had? Again, are we bearing fruit? And how do we bear fruit? Hold your spot here. Go with me to John 15. I looked at this last week, but it's important that we look at it. How do we bear fruit? John chapter 15. Everybody have their swords with them today? John chapter 15, I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will even be more fruitful. You, have already been, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus says the, the Father's the gardener. Jesus is the vine. And he comes in, the, the Father comes in, and he looks at the branches. You and I are grafted into the vine. You can find that in Romans chapter 11. I shared this last week, a wild offshoot. If you're Gentile this morning, you're, you're a wild offshoot. By nature, a wild branch cannot be grafted into a vine. That's why it took a miracle. God did it. God grafted you and I into the vine. And he says, so we're in the vine. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. He says in verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Remember, I looked at that word last week. It's called echo. And it literally means, the first translation means that a branch that's not getting good nutrients, that's not bearing much fruit, he takes it and he lifts it up to get a little bit more nutrients. 
But then if that branch doesn't get nutrients to it and it continues to die and it withers, it says he does something. And here's the scary part. This is in the original language. In the Greek, he cuts it off. What do you and I do with the flower or, or rose bush or with, I mean, when we had tomatoes, our biggest problem was slugs. You know, that might be for somebody this morning. You're wanting to produce fruit, but Satan sends his slugs in. And we'd get a branch that started to wither and die. What do you normally do with that? You just rip it off, don't you? So that it doesn't take energy from the rest of the vine. I'm not a gardener. I can tell you this, I'm not a green thumb. Some years we did good with zucchini and tomatoes. Other times we didn't. But I can tell you this, when we pruned it, it grew better. So then he says this, while every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that, it will be, so that it will be even more fruitful. Boy, that's a tongue twister there. Maybe you're getting pruned today. Those are called trials and tribulations. Again, this is not in my notes up here. Hold your spot here and go with me to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. God does a whole much better job when he takes over. Hebrews chapter 12, look with me in verse 7 in your Bibles. He says, endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Let me stop there for a minute. He's talking about hardships in our life, difficulties. Trials and tribulations. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. For the testing of your faith develops perseverance or endurance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you and I may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you and I are going to have trials and tribulations in this life. You've heard me say this before, but Jesus said, you will have trouble in this life, but be a good cheer. The whole purpose of trials and tests is to prune you, is to prune me. And it does not feel good. In fact, let's go on, verse 9. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but what? Painful. When you and I are going through trials, uh, you know, we don't go like James said. You know, he says, consider it pure joy. At the moment we're going through, we don't go, Woo! yes, this feels great. Thank you, Lord. Give me more. Right? I've never met somebody that does that. I've never done that. Usually I'm on my knees crying and praying. When I was in Upton, I walked in the graveyard. I'm not creepy or weird. It was just, it was quiet. There was nobody there and the deer would go through it. And I like coal trains and they would go right by the graveyard. So I'd be in the middle of prayer, come coal train. I'd be like a little kid running up just to watch it go by. It's, it's painful. But look at this. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of what? Righteousness and peace. That's the fruit for those who have been trained by it. Pruning is to produce fruit in us. 
We had a rose bush in Longview in our house, in front of our house. And man, that thing would go wild. And the, and the roses, when it would start growing wild like that with all these branches, the roses didn't look very pretty. So we'd go in and we'd, I'd trim it back and prune it. And when the roses did grow, they were beautiful and smelled good and looked sweet. It's not always about how much fruit you have because you can have a lot of fruit, but it'd be rotten. It's about what does your fruit look like. You can have a little fruit and it be sweet. You can go to an apple tree. We had an apple tree. And in good years, you'd get these giant apples. But in bad years, they'd have worms in them. Does your fruit have worms in it? Does my fruit have worms in it? So discipline is from the Lord. Now, I want to go back up to verse 8. If you are not disciplined, and everyone goes disciplined, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. If God is not testing you, if God is not dealing with you on something, you need to check your relationship with God. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go through trials every week and every day. But in your life, there should be times when God is dealing with you on something. If you're not being disciplined by the Lord, you need to say, okay, God, where is my relationship with you? Paul says to examine yourself to see if you're in the truth. Are you saved? Do you know him? And God will use different ways to get your attention. He uses the word. You know, this might be a tough message this morning. But I'd rather give you the word of God that might be a little tough for you than to feed you with a bunch of lies that make you feel good. There's days that God gives you good-filled messages. Praise the Lord. Then there's those days you're going, I don't want to hear this, Lord. But in, later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. Let's go back to John 15. How do we produce fruit? Verse 3, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Here it is. Remain in me. I shared this last week. The original Greek wording there means to continue in. It means to stay in relationship with. He says, if you, it's conditional. If we remain in him, if we continue in our relationship with him, he will continue in his relationship with us. You're married. How much time do you spend with your spouse? You're dating. How do you date? You go out on dates, right? Something my wife brought up to me recently is when we first got married, I'd open the door for her, let her get in. You know, I'd do all that stuff. And that should not stop after you've been married for a while, but you have kids and you get busy. And after a while, I'm opening the door for myself, getting in the car, and then she gets over. And one day she just left and stopped there and stood by the door and I looked at her like what's she standing there for and all of a sudden it took a minute you know I must have been in my nothing box <laughs> men have a nothing box you know that's there's a they did a study at the uh, Pennsylvania University they actually did a study and men can actually still breathe and not think about anything <laughs> it's true 
I just picked on us men today, so don't scold me on it. That's relationship. She was letting me know, you need to do this for me. She had surgery this week. It's putting her needs before my needs. Spending time with her, date times, night, going out on date nights, or date, well, anyways, you get what I mean. How much time do you date Jesus? You got on dates with him? You talk to him? Remember, it's talking about relationship here. Then he goes on to say, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Let me tell you something. You and I cannot bear fruit by ourselves. We may be born again. We have the fruits of the Spirit in us because the Holy Spirit's in us. But you will never, ever bear fruit for God without Jesus. And the only way you bear fruit is remain in your relationship with Him. Spending time with Him in prayer and worship. And study. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in you. Did, you. did you catch that? You can't bear fruit unless you remain in Jesus. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. That's a promise. You remain in Christ, you're going to bear fruit. And not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. So how much fruit are you producing for Jesus? And how much fruit you're producing for him will show where your relationship is with him. It gets quiet when you say things like that, doesn't it? Listen, I'm right up here with you. I'm speaking to myself as well. It's not just sharing Jesus with people. It's living Jesus with people. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. This is a difficult saying for people. He's not just talking about fruit here. He's talking about the branches grafted into the vine. And when he mentions being picked up and thrown to the fire, when you look that up in the original meaning and you look at the commentaries, it's meaning separation from God for all eternity. That's a scary thought. Yes, it's not about performance. It's not about works. But James says that when you get saved, there should be works that come from your relationship with Jesus Christ. And look at verse 7, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing, your, showing yourselves to be my disciples. God wants us to bear fruit. And Paul said, hey, the labor of saying with you is to bear fruit. Hey, the reason why Jesus hasn't come back yet to get his church is he wants us to bear fruit. That should be exciting for us. It's, don't look at it as a performance thing. Don't look at it as a burden, because Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is what? Light. When you start to bear fruit, when you share Jesus with people, it's exciting. It is exciting when you lead somebody to Christ. They went from death to life. They're in the kingdom. They got eternal life now. 
Go with me to James chapter 2. James chapter 2. Verses 14 through 26. If you've been missing our uh, Sunday night service, we've been going through the book of James. So some of you have, we've just talked about this, but James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Look what James says. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, I go and wish you well, Keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe there is one God. Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith, his, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in different direction. As the body is without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Again, here it is. Are we putting our faith into action? It may be just a small little thing. It may not be a big thing. Maybe it's just helping somebody this week. I'm thankful for all that you that have helped with Stacy this week. Thank you for that. And, and those that are hurting, I thank you for that. We're a family. We're to help each other. We're to help those that don't know Jesus, to minister to them, to be the gospel to them. Because if you know Jesus, you have the good news inside of you. That's the gospel. Dying for Paul meant gain. Again, it's for the believer, it's a win-win situation. We talked about this already. If we go on to live in this body, we get to share Jesus. If we die, we get to see Jesus. That's a win-win situation for us. Now that brings us to our last point, Paul's desire for the Philippians. Let's go back to the book of Philippians here. Start with me in verse 25. Paul says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will contend with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence... I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. So Paul's desire for the Philippians. Number one, Paul desired that... Whoa, wow, I don't know what happened there. 
I think it got a little excited. Where'd it go? Maybe you guys can find it. <laughs> that thing just went. <laughs> oh, there we go. All right. Paul desired that they conduct themselves worthy of the gospel. He wanted them to walk their walk before men. Live your life as worthy of the gospel. We've already mentioned some of this. How are you and I living our life in this world? Be in the world, but what? Not of it. Are we different than the world? When you get saved, you're, you're sanctified. The word sanctified means to be set apart. You're set apart for God's purposes. You're set apart to be different from the world. Paul wanted the Philippians to do that. And guess what? This letter is not just written to the Philippians. It's written to you and I. So God says, I want you to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share this again, but recently... I went to Walmart and had the kids with me and uh, got some water and a couple things and there was milk in there, a half gallon of milk. And I forgot to pay for it. I, I went out and put the water in and I put something else in. I went, oh, the milk. So I started the van up, locked the doors, said, girls, stay in the van. I'll be back in a minute. I went in there, showed him my receipt, and said, I forgot to pay for this. And this tells you the age that we're living in when they, they thank you for coming in and purchasing something you should have done in the first place. So I paid for it, and the lady that was my teller, she goes, why would you do such a thing? And I said, well, for one, being a pastor and stealing milk would not be good. So she asked me what church I was at. I gave the opportunity, and I said, besides that, I believe in Jesus, and I believe doing the right thing. So this last week when I went in there, I got that same teller, and she goes, oh, you're that pastor. <laughs> and she mentioned it to some other people. This is not about lifting me up. This is about living your life worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. If you're a believer, tip well. If you're a believer, pay for those things that you need to pay for. Don't steal. Be that example. You never know what can happen. Look what Ephesians 4, 1 says. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. That calling means salvation. You have received something that you didn't deserve. We didn't deserve salvation, but Jesus gave it to us. The word worthy comes from the Greek word axles. It's worthy, deserving, and keeping with, corresponding to, suitably, worthy, in a manner worthy of. The word conduct is translated from the Greek word, which means to live as a citizen and is related to our English word politics. Meaning, are you a standout citizen and do people know that you know Jesus? Listen, we're not of this world, so our citizenship is where? In heaven. Do people know that we're citizens of heaven? We're all just about done. I'm sorry. So Paul wanted his readers to know that they were citizens of heaven and they were to conduct themselves in a manner worthy of being citizens of heaven. 
You and I, as believers in Christ, are not of this world. We are aliens just passing through. I'm not talking about the aliens that come down from... Those are demons. All these UFO sightings, they never leave out of space. They all go into different dimensions. They're demonic. You and I are just passing through, guys. This is not our home. Don't get too comfortable here. We put too much emphasis on the things that we wear and the things that we own. I share this with people all the time. You've heard me say it. I've never seen a U-Haul truck follow somebody to a graveside. Look what Peter says. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Peter says we're to... We're to abstain from sinful lifestyles. We're foreigners and exiles in this world. Paul desired, number two, that they would contend for the faith in one spirit without fear. Look at this, 2 Timothy 1.7. How many of you guys know this? For the Spirit of God gave us, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The, the translation I like is, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and what? A sound mind. Guys, you need to remember that this morning. If you're a born-again believer, you do not have to live in fear. Perfect love casts out fear, and you have perfect love in you. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, dudamus, dynamite, godly power. And of love. Look at that. And of self-discipline. There is strength when there is more than one believer who is unified for Christ. Look at Ecclesiastes. I'm going to have to end with this one this morning. Ecclesiastes 4.12. Look what it says. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly what? Broken. That's why it says, don't forsake the gathering of yourselves together. We need each other. I have never seen a perfect church. Do you know why? Because we're all imperfect. If you think you're perfect, just ask your spouse, your friends, or your children. Even ask your dog. Your dog will tell you. I'm going to make this real quick, if you don't mind. Paul desired... That they not only believe in Christ, but also suffer Christ. This is the last thing. Preachers always say that's the last word. (laughs) Paul desired that they not only believe in Christ, but also suffer. Jesus said, you're not going to be suffer free in this life. I want to read these last two scriptures here for you. Suffering for Christ means you will be persecuted. Guys, persecution's coming to America. We're going to be hated. We're already starting to be hated in America. Look what Jesus says. Can you read that okay? The red came out a little weird. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. I want you to say this real quick. We're almost done. I know I'm going a little over, but say this. I am blessed. blessed. If you know Jesus Christ... Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 
But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the spirit of the glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. Hallelujah. Do you bear that name this morning? If you're suffering, if you're going through trials, just begin to praise God through it. I'm not going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say you're not going to cry. Hey, it's okay to cry before the Lord. Men, it's okay to cry. I had a cat that I killed about three weeks ago that was our cat. People laugh about it, but it was part of our family. And I bawled. I, I, I backed up. She got up underneath my truck. I was coming to church. And I felt the thump, and I looked back, and she was flopping in the road, and I just backed up. And sorry about the details. But I went and I picked her up, and I'm just crying. And there were my neighbors, there were two men out there, and they're looking at me weird, working on their Harley. And I backed, and I drove by, and I said, I just ran over my cat. They're looking at me. They almost looked at me like, well, big deal. But it was a big deal to me. If, if you're going through trials, it's okay to cry. It's okay to show that you're sad. Tell God about it. God will get you through. But one thing you can do is you can rejoice that God is with you through the struggle. He will get you through it. He will lift you up in due time. Every head bowed, every eye closed here this morning. All that stuff this morning, are you, are you bearing fruit for Jesus? Are you glorifying Him in all that you do? Are you reading your word? Are you remaining in Him? Are you spending time in your relationship with Him? Again, this is not about condemnation. This is just about us all checking ourselves. It's okay to do a self-examination and say, okay, I, I got some areas I need to work on. Raise your hand really, with your head bowed and eyes closed. Raise your hand here this morning. God's still working on you. That should be all of us here this morning. Second thing is, is I always like to ask this at the end of the service. Are you born again this morning? Are you saved? Jesus says that if you do not believe in him, you are condemned already. And there is a punishment. Jesus taught more on hell than he did heaven. And he did that because he doesn't want you to go there. He loves you that much. He loved you enough that his hands were pierced and his feet were pierced. His side was pierced and his back was beaten. And his head was pierced by the crowns. And he took your sin upon him so that you didn't have to face hell. But you could, by faith, put your faith in him. Believe that he died on the cross and rose again. But it starts with you admitting that you've sinned. That's the hardest part for people. Oh, I'm a good person. Listen, the Bible says our righteousness is but filthy rags before God. A dirty diaper before him. If you're not, if you're not saved this morning and you want to get saved... Today is the day of salvation. Don't put off what you can do today. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, and you want to get saved this morning, you want to give your life to Jesus, would you raise your hand? Everybody's saved in here. Praise the Lord. That's a great thing. 
Are you here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I'm not producing fruit like I need to, and I need to give that to the Lord this morning. I'm not spending time with Him. I'm not in relationship like I should be. With nobody looking out, would you raise your hands? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Several. I want to pray for you this morning. Father God, I thank you for the blessing that you've given us. Father, I pray right now that you would help all of us produce fruit this week and in the future. Those that raise their hand, God, they want to produce more fruit. They know they're not where they need to be. God, help them right now at this moment to get right with you, to, to rekindle that relationship, to go out on a date with you, Jesus. I pray right now for all of us in the same thing, that we would do that this morning. God, I pray as we leave these doors, that you'd give us divine appointments to tell people about you because time is short. You're coming back. And we want to take as many with us as we can into heaven. So Father, give us divine appointments this week. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for tonight as we have our picnic. And we ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm sorry I was a little long-winded. I love you. If you need prayer, I'm here to pray with you. Don't forget, if you're in the hospital this week or you go to the hospital, you need prayer, call the church. Christy will answer. She'll, get, she'll, she'll connect me to my office, and I will pray with you. She'll even take a note. God bless you. I love you. Have a great day. We'll see you tonight.